Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our new column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hops and Time in Lakeway on first Tuesdays. Have you checked out our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW? If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. And if you like the new survey, send us a quick review and we'll share your review and promo your show on Instagram. Looking for ways to support all of these resources that we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I am speaking to one of those many recent transplants to the Austin comedy scene. They host and produce a show called The Main Course Comedy Show, and it is twice a month. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I said I verified my facts, and here I am get, asking for validation. Uh, they had an incredible minute for Kill Tony last April, where the first words out of a certain... Uh, very notable uh, Austin transplant Joe Rogan's mouth were that was really good and uh, we're going to talk about that what that moment must have felt like now on top of all that they're an incredible graphic designer and despite having been in Austin for I think nearly two years now the first time I got to see them was actually opening for Jesse Mae Peluso and it was uh, quite a treat to finally get to see their their comedy and now Comedy Wham presents our guest Lucas McCrary Thank you so much for having me. Hi, it's an honor to be here, and especially <laughs> with uh, Miss Miss Purry here. <laughs> oh, don't let that. She'll she's gonna get that. She's gonna get very inflated ego from that. Uh, I don't. Oh, I think she earned an inflated <laughs> ego. I think we should inflate it even more. <laughs> yes, she is the uh, the cat mascot of comedy. Wham! I love sure. her. I love her so much. I've known her for five minutes, and I'm in love with her. <laughs> She's coming home with me. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now we're going to have words. <laughs> well, Lucas, welcome so much, and uh, welcome to Austin. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, um, is I about right? About two years? About one year, one actually, year. yeah. Wait. So I got oh, here yeah. in uh, January of 2021. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so a little over a year. Yeah. Yeah. And you've made a big splash. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I want to uh, start with my official icebreaker question, mm -hmm. which is, one word to describe your past. One word to describe my past. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, atten attention. Seeking attention. <laughs> seeking attention from every single possibility that I could. Every single outlet just <laughs> wanting attention. That's why I do this. It's great for attention. You can stand and people li look and listen to you. It's yeah. amazing. It's purely for my ego, 100%. Yeah. So I, since this is the word that you've chosen to describe your past, then were you 
uh, what kind of moments growing up can you think of as far as uh, being that attention-seeking child and maybe even that it's a funny moment that you you remember yeah well i i was the youngest of four so i was getting hand-me-downs i um was always i felt like at the time like in the shadow of my older siblings even though that probably wasn't the case at all i got a lot of love from my parents the very very nice um but when i started doing theater and that was like my thing it was like my thing none of my siblings were doing it and even though it was uh even though theater's lame and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still like, this is my thing. You know, they were all sports people. Mm-hmm. They were, and I was horrible at sports. I uh, tried football once in sixth grade. And uh, I went up against, uh, they put me on the offensive line for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And I was uh, smaller than I am now. And I went up against like the biggest sixth grader possible this guy like was doing steroids he could bench press like 500 or something <laughs> and they put me up against him and he just pushed me back and then i like tried to stand up and he just pushed me back again <laughs> and i tried to stand up and he just kept pushing me back and i started crying and i went home and i was like i never want to play football ever again this is horrible i hate it uh and then my dad uh Paid me ten dollars for every game that I would go play. So. Uh, parental bribery. <laughs> yeah. I know it well. Yeah, yeah, and it worked well. I was very happy to uh, to be playing after that. Yeah. Uh, well, how did you deal with the push- getting pushed around and because that is that is part of the game. That is part of the game. Yeah. Um, so I, my brother who's two years older than me we were always at each other's throats we had a a very volatile relationship whenever we were living together um and he was big and strong so uh you had practice at home yeah exactly and and he played football he was on the offensive line and he meant he was like meant for it yeah so i knew how to like push his buttons like verbally and like just like unplugging his xbox randomly you know and he knew how to hit me really hard. <laughs> I feel so bad for little Lucas. Oh, no, no, no. I was asking for it. I, I 100% deserved everything that was coming at me. Yeah. So then you uh, gradually get into theater in mm-hmm. school. And what kind of things were you like stage on stage yeah. doing theater? Yeah. So I did. My first ever play was in a, a musical of The Ugly Duckling. Okay. And I played one of the sassy, hot brothers that would make make fun of the duck for being so ugly. Uh-huh. Um, and then I I did a bunch of other stuff. I played Tom Sawyer. Um, there she is. There she is. Aw. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did Tom Sawyer, and then I did um, I played the dentist in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. That was oh, probably fun. the most fun. Um, but then uh, whenever I got out of high school i uh, stopped doing plays i kind of got tired of it i started doing improv and uh also improv is lame too so i feel bad about that um <laughs> you're just burning all of the the, the uh, performance bridges today yeah. aren't you <laughs> yeah um 
So then through doing improv in college, I was able to meet a bunch of uh, stand-up comedians in the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Uh, and then I went and did my first open mic and, you know, crushed it, did the best <laughs> that anyone's ever done before. And uh, it's just been stand-up ever since. Okay. So I'm going to follow up on a couple of things that you've talked about. Paint a picture of Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. So it's a... wise it's uh, about 180,000 people there. It's a okay. college town, so in the summer, it's a lot less people. Okay. Um, you know, it's, the scene there is very small. There's there is only like 20 to 30 active comedians there. Okay. Um, and only like three to four open mics a week. Uh, so it was uh, very slow growing there. But also, it was nice because I... Uh, felt very uh i didn't feel a lot of pressure uh for starting there Mm -hmm. uh pressure to be like amazing yet i sucked for until i moved here pretty much i was horrible at this Uh, i still feel horrible at it sometimes depends on the night you know um so you didn't feel that that uh that drive to escape your hometown you you stayed so I'm from Kingsport, Tennessee, which is even smaller. Okay. Um, so I moved to Knoxville when I went to uh, college. Okay. Because um, I'm uh, I'm rich and smart. <laughs> um. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> and Knoxville, does it have like where were you, you said you you did improv in college mm-hmm. in the college like class environment or was there a theater like we've got fallout we've got you know our handful of of theaters there was there is a small it was was pretty much a a lecture hall that we would perform in that was in the library um but it was all students that were on the team it was started by a grad student uh named uh miles and uh, i don't remember his last name he's dead to me um (laughs) (laughs) but he started and uh it was actually when I started doing graphic design too, because I would make the posters for mm-hmm. those shows. And our team mascot was uh, this uh, chubby, hairy man who would wear uh, legging or uh, fishnets. Uh, <laughs> so I would uh, do posters with that drawn yeah. on there. Yeah. So that was my first time doing graphic design too. So it kind of all goes together. Yeah. I feel like, did, did I, yeah, the, she hates closed doors. So this is her messaging. Uh, I feel like I skipped in my introduction. One of my, my last bullet was because I, I didn't actually write down on my, everything is very researched and scripted to a point. Mm-hmm. And I threw in the getting to see you at Jesse May's show. Mm-hmm. And I think I, because of that, I forgot to mention that my last bullet was on top of that. You are an incredible graphic designer. Anybody that has seen your posters is, you know, they're, they're just really cool. They have a very cool um, feel to them. Oh, thank so, you. And I, I, part of my research, I went to your website, your design website. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow, you've done some incredible. Oh, work. thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, what, what drew you into that part? Were you always an artistic, like... I was always, like, want to be autistic. Uh, not autistic. <laughs> Maybe oh, I am autistic. Oh um, I do want to be autistic. That would be... Help out with my focus. Um, 
No, I I was always like a wannabe artistic kid. Like I I think I like romanticized the idea of like a starving artist mm-hmm. and like you know the hot guy with bangs that sleeps on the floor in this uh, loft apartment just uh-huh. has paintings hanging up and stuff. But I I just can't live. I like having a couch and you know a roof over my head. And, and it's it's the trifecta too the, with one that does improv. Yeah. I mean, you add that to the mix, you're living the dream. Right. So, serving yeah. artist who does improv with killer bangs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I, um, with graphic design, I uh, was like m- moderately artistic growing up. Uh, I was horrible. My oldest brother, he was like super art- artistic. Mm-hmm. He could draw things photorealistic and stuff. And I was wow. like, oh, I'll never be that. I hate this. <laughs> and then I did some art classes in college, and they're like, "Well, you know, not all art has to look good." And I was like, "Oh, okay, this is the place yeah. for me. This is great. <laughs> it can be look horrible." And that's like kind of the reason. If it's looks horrible for a reason, then yeah. then it's good. <laughs> yeah. So you graduate. You've got improv experience. Did, was that first stand up that you did while you were still in college? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I was twenty one when I did it. So I was. Uh, I think I had two years left after, so like right in the middle of my college mm-hmm. career. And I know you said you crushed it. Oh, I it crushed it hard, yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I think it's very common that people that have been doing improv, they end up realizing, oh, there's stand-up performers out there and there's a, a, a natural migration that sometimes happens. What was it for you that... You thought, oh, I, I, I'd like to give this a try. Um, I think it was always in the back of my head that I wanted to do stand-up, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I never knew it as a real thing. Uh, I didn't know that there were just casual open mics that you could go out and just try stand-up at. And then I uh, went and saw an open mic in Knoxville, and I was like, oh, this is, these people are bad. I could do this, too, <laughs> you know? There's no, there's no bar. <laughs> Um, I could probably be okay at this, uh-huh. uh, and it looks fun. Um, so I went and I tried it and I was like, oh, this compared to improv, this is much more satisfying because, uh, it's a lot more, uh, selfish things mm-hmm. that I'm getting out of it. Yeah. Um, improv is fun because you have to, you know, work with a team and, uh, you can't always, say the thing that you think will be the funniest because it might ruin the scene entirely but with stand up it's all it's all on you and uh if you do well it's all on you and if you do bad it's all on you yeah yeah when since you had that improv background how did you approach doing stand-up in those early days did you think oh i'll just riff or did you actually put pen to paper no i would uh practice i would like practice in front of my mirror day of mm-hmm. go up with not much of a plan like maybe like two uh very loose ideas of punchlines, and then uh-huh. kind of go up and riff and uh i was also against the idea of uh doing jokes more than once i was very pretentious about it and i was like I'm going to try to write a new four or five minutes every time I do this open mic uh, so I can show them who they're messing with, yeah. you know? <laughs> How um, long did that last? Uh, it lasted about like three weeks. Okay. It wasn't, yeah. 
It was, and also, you know, I was going up like maybe once a week at that time. Okay. So, you know, about three times I was able to do try something, and every time it got worse and worse. Oh and then, no! <laughs> so I was like, all right, I need to maybe try to do these jokes more than once. Yeah, yeah. Is there a a club scene where where after comics have been doing the open mic work that they have something to reach for? No, there's a lot of. Uh, bar shows that were uh uh very uh you know you know bar shows very yeah. bar shows um and there used to be a club there but they uh shut down mm-hmm. uh that was before i started um but yeah it's pretty much like open mics were like the biggest comedy thing <laughs> there um uh and how long were you there before you you decided i gotta get out of here I left pretty close after graduating. Okay. Um, so I left Knoxville and this was like during COVID when COVID first yeah. started, I left Knoxville and, uh, I was like, I have nowhere to go. I have nothing to do. And my sister was living in Salt Lake city. So I went and stayed with her for, it was supposed to be a, I was going for a month and I ended up staying for like five months there and just living with her and, uh, and I was like, okay, now I need to get out of Salt Lake City because <laughs> I'm going crazy here. It's cold and there's nothing mm-hmm. open. And I was like, I'm going to go down to the land of the free and <laughs> where there's sunshine and, and tacos. And uh, so then what, I came down here. What did you know about Austin? Very, very little. I'd never been before. Yeah. I'd uh, only been to Texas once before in San Antonio. And that was like the year before i moved here i went to san antonio to visit a friend uh and i hated san antonio (laughs) i hate hate it there so much um and i was like i really hope not whenever i moved here uh i was like okay i'm gonna give this a month i'm gonna like commit to a month and see how it goes um and then that month has now turned into about 13 months yeah what did you know about the austin comedy scene i knew like I knew Rogan moved here, and I knew that it was uh, gonna be a lot of people here moving, flocking here. I knew it had potential to grow or whatever, but I didn't know much about it at all. I like went online. I think it was probably Comedy Wham that I, the <laughs> website that I ended up finding, where it had like all the open mics listed and yeah. stuff. And I was like, oh, there's multiple a night. This seems yeah. awesome. Uh, whenever I was in Salt Lake City, there was like five going on a week tops um just because everything was shut down but you were Um, hitting them i was hitting i did the wise guys open mic a few times which was awesome it was like a real show there and then i did a few of the bar ones i was still like very scared of covid and also also dating mostly it's because i was dating this girl that was uh very scared of covid and i wanted to uh be able to uh keep having sex with her um and so she like didn't want me going out to places and stuff um Mm. so i'm you know i'm a cuck for the mask (laughs) um so then i I had to get out of there (laughs) i think this is your episode title (laughs) yeah (laughs) cuck for the mask did you did you experience any 
culture shock about performing comedy in a different, such a different, I mean, I mean, I assume such a different, like Salt Lake City, you know, you've got the Mormon influence, but Salt Lake, I visited Salt Lake City, so I know mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, it's very clean, seems yeah. very prim and proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been to Knoxville, so I have no idea, but I've been to Nashville, so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to extrapolate and say, okay, it's just chilly, chiller vibe, lots of barbecue around. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it a, a culture shock to perform for a different yeah so uh i would say the salt lake scene it because wise guys uh they really like clean comics Mm -hmm. but i was at the open mics where people were dirty Uh you know so i wasn't really seeing much of the clean um but coming here was probably the biggest shock in that people just say like literally anything on stage and it's uh like getting away with words that like in knoxville nashville uh it would have the audience turn on you but uh here whenever you say those words it's like a rally cry and people like get really into it uh depending on the setup and stuff there's sometimes when it doesn't go well um but that was a huge culture shock in that um everyone just like seemed to kind of agree that that's uh that's fine and uh it feels like kind of a bubble and that i don't think most scenes are like that um which is why i like like this scene a lot and that uh it's like the feels like comedy comes first and then um the uh like the words specifically don't matter Mm -hmm. as much um yeah. So I I will have to uh, put a pin in that because you have the luxury of you you didn't see the scene before COVID. You didn't know what mm-hmm. the scene was like before. And I'm sure now that you've you're so entrenched in the scene, performing, booking, you see a lot of comics. You probably are aware that the scene before that nobody would have would have described it the way you just did. Yeah. Like certain words, topics mm-hmm. would not have been cool with right. either audiences or fellow comics. So right. COVID shook so many things up. And yeah. uh, I think, you know, there's the perceived division of the old guard and the new guard, which, mm-hmm. you know, you're part of the new guard. Yeah. And, that's why I'm trying really hard to interview people that are perceived part of the new guard because you specifically moved here uh, for comedy and you you care enough about your comedy career that that's what you chose to do because you knew you realized there's a lot to offer here. And so did a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there are certain pockets of the Austin comedy scene that, yeah, that's totally cool. And like you said, it's going to generate the roar in the audience. But any old guard comic, any old guard audience member, they're not. They're not going to be cool with that. And I think what has happened in Austin is because of the, the population's growth in the city, we just added another niche to the scene. It's Mm -hmm. not that there was a I don't know that it's a division. It's just we expanded like the city expanded. And so mm-hmm. that meant people who wanted to do that kind of comedy could find an audience like that. Yeah. But where you have to be careful is when you start 
mixing in with, you know, some of what I call the old guard audience. And mm-hmm. I think that's where things get really interesting for these types of comics is realizing, oh, I have to I have to adapt to my sets or the way I yeah. approach this if I'm going to be successful, which I want to be successful yeah. versus the type of comic that just comes in and says, oh, I'm just going to say the worst things. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not going to adapt. So to me, it's like, how much do you care about your career comedy that you're willing to learn to adapt yeah. and make, you know, if you're going to use a, a word that would otherwise be offensive, how smart are you going to make your joke right. to make it so that no matter the audience, right. it hits. Right. So sorry for my soapbox lecture here. Oh, no, I think you, <laughs> I, I think you got it right on the head. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, I forget this all the time, too, that like, I forget my job a lot of the times and my job (laughs) is to make these people laugh. My job isn't to, you know, show, perform my art regardless of (laughs) they, them liking it or not. Like my job is to make people have a fun time and enjoy themselves. So there's uh, some material that works really well with uh certain audiences and then there's some material that if you do it in front of certain audiences they will hate it on the right or left you know um up or down you know it's all uh old or young um like i i did uh dean's and uh spencer cavins show at uh, barrels and amps i did that like two weeks into moving here and i did four minutes and i ate my dick the ent- <laughs> the entire four minutes it's this uh uh more conservative libertarian crowd in georgetown mm-hmm. and i couldn't relate to those people at all and uh i was like oh screw these guys like i'm you know they don't understand me they uh-huh. don't get it they don't understand what i'm about it's not for them um, so I, I, I think it's very easy to get into that mindset of, um, oh, I'm just going to do me regardless of it, of what they think. Yeah. So at what point did that shift into something more humble where you realized either I'm going to go to only perform in venues where I know whatever I said isn't going to eat dick or I'm going to adapt a little bit. I, I think it's been a slow process. A lot of bombing. <laughs> helps helps uh bombing uh you know humbles the soul yeah um and uh i mean it's still not something that i'm you know entirely uh over i i still uh it's it's very easy after you bomb to be like oh this audience sucks they weren't doing oh i went yeah. up first it's the hardest spot but uh i think it's just like uh uh andre uh Ricks, he told me, is like just a lack of connection. Like if you're, if you have a joke that you know works, but it's not working that night, and it's just like the audience isn't connecting with it at all. You couldn't connect with them. Um, so I think just like trying to learn small things that you can do to try and connect. I still have trouble with uh, older audiences. Yeah. You know, parents. Uh, I can't relate because I'm just <laughs> I'm just one of their kids that's like a vigilante kid that. Fucking, uh, they like I'm their what? I'm a nightmare that they think like 
they're terrified that their kid's going to grow up to be me, you know? <laughs> so they don't want to laugh. They don't want to support. <laughs> and I have to do something to, like, ease their mind and show them that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> but have they seen your, your show posters and your Right, album yeah, 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 yeah. You know. If they got to know the real me, <laughs> exactly. you know? Uh, I want to I want to hone in on what must have been an incredible moment for you uh, at the Kill Tony in April. So at this point, you had been in Austin a few months. You get picked from the bucket, and one of the guests is Joe Rogan. And you, uh, I don't, I don't know how much you knew about you know the cult of Joe Rogan and how big he was and you know the splash he made by moving here, but. Just, you know, removing myself from any of the controversies surrounding him, the fact that he's, you know, top of the game in the comedy world for a lot of people, I want to know about that moment where the first words out of his mouth were, that was really good. (laughs) Um, It felt good. I mean, I don't know if you can see it in the video, but like my leg was shaking the entire time. That was the, still is the biggest... uh, stage that i've performed on like with the most amount of people i don't know how many people they fit in the paramount but uh oh that was the paramount show that wasn't yeah, even like was, at the vulcan yeah it was at the oh, paramount shit. yeah okay so that's an even bigger moment yeah for you so it was wow. very it was very weird in that like you're looking out into the audience and you see no face at all it's just blackness yeah. and then uh i'm just talking at them and then the first punchline hit and he's like a wall of laughter uh-huh. it felt incredible and i was like oh, okay i'm gonna be good now <laughs> um and then it was it felt uh surreal whenever they were like talking to me afterwards like uh rogan he looks like someone who's just on tv you know it's weird seeing how short he is in real life yeah. it's a tiny tiny man yes. with an oily head uh, <laughs> He's got muscles in his head. It's incredible. I think his he has a six pack on his forehead. Um, so it was. I, I was very happy also that I went up early because I watched the rest of the show and they were just getting trashed up there and <laughs> just becoming a lot less uh, uh, able to listen to what they're talking about. So I was very happy that I went up early. Um, and I think the goal of everyone that goes on kill tony uh at least all the local people is to get the uh secret show spot and i was very happy that i got that my interview was very short and i was happy that it was short as short (laughs) as it was um that i could just do my jokes them compliment me get Uh the secret show spot and then leave so it was uh it was great it was uh one of the highlights of my uh comedy career yeah. Um, and then from that, I was able to do Secret Show and um, have uh, since been like a regular on it, um, which has helped me out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's consistent performance in front of like a really good audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you decided you were going to start producing your own mm-hmm. show. Yeah. So it was around that time also um, that I think my first show that I was producing was like the week after mm-hmm. I did the Kill Tony um so all of that kind of came at the same time um and then uh producing a show i I mostly wanted to do it 
to get stage time mm-hmm. because it's very uh it can get very overwhelming just thinking about like okay how am i gonna get consistent stage time from these people because i have no control over it at all so if i'm producing my own show then i have full control over how much stage time i'm getting the first time i did 15 minutes was on my own show Mm -hmm. you know so i think I, i i mostly did it also like the money is great i'm now making like some money from it which is really nice yeah um but also uh just being able to have a place that i can consistently just you know do my reps yeah and as somebody who's new to austin how did you go about producing and booking the show um so i uh it was first at santa cruz um and i knew the guy running it because he was doing open mics there every week he was doing shows on the weekend um so me and a uh, another friend jack timmons we went and approached him uh with the show and i'm horrible at pitching ideas <laughs> i'm more of like uh just please let me do it and i'll show i can <laughs> i'll show i can like do it well but I, i'm not like uh I'm not a hype man at all. I can't like say exciting things, make people yeah. excited. I'm horrible at sales. I would never be good <laughs> as a sales salesman. Um, so whenever we pitched him the show, uh, the owner was just like, oh, okay, fine. Sounds, you know, it sounds fine. We'll try it. Um, and then uh, the first one we were able to uh, sell it out. And then he was like, okay, these people are, are real. Um <laughs> But then we switched over to uh, to Firehouse because um, uh, Santa Cruz has taken too much of a percentage. Uh. Um, so I uh, switched over to Firehouse, and uh, it's been really nice there. Um, then I've also done some shows at Spider House and a couple at Vulcan, uh-huh. uh, too. So those have all been really fun. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel happy that you've, you've made this, this big move to to austin yeah i feel i feel really good about it i like austin a lot it, it uh starting to feel like a home i i just moved into a place with uh with my buddy dan pitetsky oh, i like dan a lot he yeah dan's great. oh great yeah awesome yeah dan's amazing um and a horrible comic but great guy <laughs> <laughs> so That's nice why everyone booed him <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we moved into a new place and we got a real cozy in there. It's so nice. Um, I, I, I really like living here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break. Okay. And we're going to try this game. Where should we begin? It's this, uh, card game, whatever. And you're going to tell me left or right. And we're, I'll read it off. And then you just, you're improv. So you can do this. Okay. Left. Okay, my left. Your left. Okay. You're right. <laughs> okay. All right. Ooh, this will be fun. A major challenge I've overcome. All right. Well, I haven't overcome really anything. Um, but I think uh, one thing, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, pressure uh as a producer to like book people and i'm very uh i i I get in my own head of like oh this person doesn't like me because i haven't booked them in a few months or 
oh, that person doesn't like me, good, you know. Um, so, like, getting over that, like, uh, fear, anxiety, uh-huh. uh, insecurity about people, uh, about relationships being uh, very transactional is still something that I'm trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, I don't know, I, uh, I just I hate comics sometimes. I hate them so much. <laughs> I hate them so much. Um, no, they're all great. I love them. We're all, we're all killers. Um, <laughs> So I think just overcoming the, just producing your own show brings a lot of uh, insecurity. Um, So uh, just uh, overcoming that and uh, trying not to uh, think about what other people are thinking and just kind of focus on yourself. Yeah. Well, you've you've achieved a level of success with producing your show that audiences are are coming to it. Mm -hmm. So... Do you think it's just an innate ability or just hunch that you have about putting the right combination of people together on the show and that's what's driving you? Or do Because I could tell you that when I book my showcase, it's all very analytical mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, who I, – like I, I'm in the, this mode where until I hit the one-year anniversary mark of mine, I'm not – I don't have any repeats. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that means I have to be – like looking at things very carefully mm-hmm. versus because I'm not an uh, I'm not a natural comic, so I don't have the hunch that I would imagine you would have about oh I can put I can just grab these names put them together and mm-hmm. magic yeah um, well I I try to when I start I try to get two to three people that are now are like solid solid solid. And then I build around that and uh, maybe, you know, try out a, a, a new comic who maybe is more new, but like really itching for some good stage time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of build it around that. I, I, I mostly just focus on I, I, I don't really think much about like, OK, this person has uh, this kind of theme with their uh with their stand-up, um, this person talks about this, so we shouldn't put this person because uh, it's very similar to that person. I mostly just focus on, okay, are they consistent? Are they great? And uh, if so, I'm going to book them on the show. Yeah, yeah. What What do you want to do next? Next, I want to travel more. I want to uh feature for more people and do longer sets i want to get more comfortable with doing 20 30 minutes uh i've never done 30 minutes before it sounds terrifying (laughs) um 20 minutes is still like terrifying to me i've only done it a handful of times i did it with uh featuring for jessime peluso and that was terrifying you're great oh thank you (laughs) thank you it was the scariest moment of my life um But, uh, yeah, I just want to do more stages in different cities. And uh, I'm going to go to L.A. and San Diego next month and uh, do some shows there and just kind of, like, get a vibe, yeah. you know, catch a vibe. <laughs> Have you figured out uh, some of that adaptability to the different audiences, or do you think you have? I, You know, and my, he- my ego tells me, yeah, you got it down. <laughs> You've got it down a hundred percent, and you know it's. I I still struggle whenever there's uh like a a 
an audience where they are all the same. You know, there's like theme shows where it's like, uh, bring out, um, like all of these people that are in the same club or whatever, you know? So I did a show last night that was at a sober bar. Um, what? It was at Sands Bar in the East Side. Oh, wow. So they had mocktails. Um, so it was all, uh, sober people, which is, uh, it ended up being really fun. I have this joke where I start off by asking if, um, if, uh, the audience, if anyone there is in therapy and usually I get like one guy that's like, oh yeah, you know, and then, but this time everyone in there went like, woo, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so it can't, I, I think whenever the audience is like all in the same club, it can either go really well for you or really bad. I, I think it's, uh, Cause it's like the group mind kind of thing, like deciding, Oh, we love this person or we hate this person. Yeah. So, um, last night went well. I've had other times where I'm doing groups of the same club and I, uh, just, uh, eat my dick. Uh, <laughs> alternate title to the, yeah. <laughs> your episode. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's still, uh, I'm, I'm still learning and, uh, trying to be more malleable, flexible. Yeah, yeah. What's been the, the, the funnest time that you've had on stage? Um, I did uh, Adam Lucky's roast show recently. Uh-huh. Uh, I roasted Mike Eaton, and that was probably the funnest I, I had on stage in a long time. It was really goofy and fun. Um, I think a lot of roast shows, it's uh, uh, I just like kind of focus on like, oh, I'm going to – like be the funniest person on stage but like i i lost that roast and i had so much fun mm-hmm. on it like at the end i i started a chant just cheering mike's name over and over <laughs> um so I, I think just like allowing yourself to be goofy and have fun um and that was fun too yeah. making fun of uh, a fat guy is always great <laughs> oh mike <laughs> mike was great I, I loved getting to know him yeah i, I interviewed him a few months ago okay now. yeah and he's incredible yeah, he's, he's great i i'm actually really happy getting to know the, you know all these people that have well he's he's got such a long-winded story of he was in austin and then he left and then mm-hmm. he came back i think he may have left again and then come back uh but getting to know the people that are that kind of represent the you know the new face of of uh Austin comedy scene has been really fun. Like mm-hmm. I'll I'll tell you, I was terrified to interview you, reach out to you because I'm like, he's part of the new guard, you know, he's hanging with those those people. <laughs> and I'm like, I have to get over that because I cover Austin comedy mm-hmm. and I have to talk to people that that create, you know, the the quilt of the comedy scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very excited that you did reach out yeah. to me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So uh, I'll have to rely on on you and Mike Eaton to tell me who else I should be interviewing. Because oh yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'm terrible, and I'm I'm now, as you can tell, I'm very old. So getting out to you know all these people that have these late night shows, and since I live so far out, mm-hmm. getting out anymore is like, oh, do I really want to do that? Yep. <laughs> yep. I feel that. I feel that. I feel I I live. Uh, very close to downtown and even i'm like i'd rather stay in <laughs> well you made your place so cozy <laughs> i know i know it's a problem um 
how, uh, let's see, is there is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? This is your opportunity to be a hype man for yourself. Oh, man. Okay. You know, come to my, you know, come to my shows. They're pretty cool. Uh, they're pretty good. Um, we have a show. Uh, oh, this isn't actually the promo part. No. Oh, like, like what am I hyping Lucas, up? Oh, you. okay. Um, or, you, know. you know, some, you're addicted to... Oh, Licorice I'm a di- or- oh, okay. Nicotine, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're here with like this gigantic, isn't that like pure caffeine? Yeah, the Yerba Mate, yeah. bl- Blue Foria. Yeah, that's got to be good sponsor, for you. Not a sponsor, but it could be. It could if you be. If you plug it enough, yeah. it could be. Um, yeah, I mean, I might, uh, I think I'm going to quit my job soon yeah. um, so I can do comedy full time. Um, I've been uh, making more posters for other comics and stuff. So that's always really fun. What is your your day job? Uh, I do contract uh, design for this uh, company that's in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Um, they are a uh, marketing thing, and I I make uh, PDFs that <laughs> I make eBooks to <laughs> uh, inform truckers about. You know, trucking things. Uh, so sounds you know, amazing. It's amazing. It's it's uh, very fulfilling. It's my passion. I love truckers. I know too much about truckers that I don't want to know. My dad was a trucker. <laughs> well, your dad's a piece of shit. Well, he's a piece of something. He's in the ground. Oh no! Oh, pour no. one out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, yeah, I, I rec- somebody asked recently about uh, you know, who does good posters, and I, mm-hmm. I, I put your name out because I, I really like your posters. Thank They're you so much. Cool. Yeah, and I think I had done the homework of looking at your website and all of your oh like, yeah varied de- designs. Thank and I'm you. Like, oh yeah, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love doing it. It's a uh, it's uh, nice because it's it's work, but also it it's similar to stand up, and that it doesn't feel like work. It's fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have uh, let's see how I love that main the the main course. Oh, thank flyer. you. How long did that take for you to like from from idea to execution? Uh, it took so I I revamped it and I kept going through all of these uh, different versions of it. Um, it took you know probably total like thirty hours just because I'm like so nitpicky mm-hmm. on it on my own stuff. It's uh, easy to get caught in the weeds on it whenever it's other people's posters i can it's a bit easier to disconnect from it and just do what needs to be done and get the job done but whenever it's my own i'm like oh this has to be 100 percent perfect this doesn't (laughs) look right move it a centimeter to the left um so i i spent way too long on that one um um but if anyone asks it took me two hours I'm very quick. I can do anything very quickly. Um, but yeah, um, so that that one's nice. It's uh, you know I feel like I've got a good branding on that one. Uh, yeah, want to keep that one consistent. Yeah, um, yeah. And then I just started another show at Spider House called Just Desserts, uh, and it's got a pot picture of a do pie. Do you like food? Lucas? I love. I you <laughs> Main know course just desserts. Yeah, I you know I'm a, I I eat like a sandwich once a day. Uh, I'm a very I'm a very light eater. I like food. You know it's good. Um, but I don't. I I had the main course show first. Uh, me and Jack Timmons came up with that name. Um, 
And then I wanted something to stay under that kind of umbrella. So just mm-hmm. desserts. Yeah. And is that what makes that distinct from main course? Uh, different location. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yeah. Yep. Different location is the biggest thing. Uh, same, uh, you know, quality of comics. But yeah, just uh, Spider House is such a different vibe from Firehouse. Yeah. Um, it's like got like this it feels like the 80s at uh spider house got the disco ball it's Mm -hmm. got those beautiful red velvet curtains there it's uh got very fun lighting a lot more space you can fit more people in there um the sound the quality of sound is very nice at uh spider house um yeah it's just a great venue okay so i am struck by the fact that there's one thing that i've not asked about and that is, like, how do you write your jokes? Because one of the things that I've observed from watching you open for, for Jesse May and watching that clip from last April is, like, the turn is very important for you, like, or the misdirect is very important for you. Mm-hmm. Is that, uh, do you focus more on on writing to that effect or do you have the idea kind of like what you did when you were did that first open mic like it's like you kind of have a rough idea but then you workshop it on the stage yeah i think uh specifically whenever i'm writing brand new material i just kind of like come up with a lot of stuff and just throw it at the wall and see what sticks i really am not a very good writer i just uh go up a lot and am able to like okay this works Uh you know pretty consistently this doesn't work at all so we'll take that out um so you know i, I feel like every joke that i've ever written just came upon by accident mm. like I, I i don't know how i did it at all but like if i'm able to perform it and then like i can uh like see like oh if i emphasize this word it works a lot better or if i take a pause yeah. here or if i change my tone at this sentence kind of turn it then uh it can work a lot better so it's a very slow process for me trying to get a joke from the you know nugget of idea to getting something where i feel like it's uh you know coming to a conclusion coming complete Mm -hmm. um so it's a it's a process that i i don't even know myself i'm very i'm not a disciplined writer at all i'm So I wish I had like one of those uh, charts on just a bunch of papers stapled to the wall with red yarn going uh, to it. But <laughs> you could, yeah, I could, I could start that. Do a little vision board for yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dick jokes, pussy. <laughs> hey, whatever works. How whatever can I works. make this more racist? You know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I won't go to that show. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me when you're doing, you know, old people jokes. No, right. I'm kidding. I'll I'm get some kids I- and then <laughs> once I have children, <laughs> then it's all going to come complete. I can finally be finished. Uh, there's a teenager over there if you want to take him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the closed doors. The teenager. He's... I am going to take Miss Purry with me. No. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think that... Uh, is there anything else that you want people to know about you? 
You know, that I'm cool, I'm hot, uh, <laughs> I'm funny sometimes, uh, you know, just all around great guy, no fault, faults, no flaws, uh, just perfect all around. And I run shows where you buy tickets, buy tickets. <laughs> yeah, buy tickets. And not sarcastic at all. No, no not no. sarcastic no. at all. No. no. I hate sarcasm. <laughs> I hate it so much. It makes me so mad. That's, that delivery, that's that's your magic, is your delivery and your timing. Like, you, there's something that you, you've figured out exactly what. So all the words, just, you know, as long as they fall into your 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 delivery and your just your timing that's that's your magic that's stop it. you're making me blush <laughs> <laughs> okay are you ready for your closing question yes okay it is one word to describe the future rich money <laughs> i want money <laughs> give me money I want a $20 million deal with Spotify. I will take over Joe Rogan's job. Give me money. Good luck. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I've just recently uh, started to figure out the business side of stand-up and how to like actually make a living off of it. Yeah. Um, so it's very new, but also very exciting because uh, now my parents take this more seriously. <laughs> That I'm, I'm making way more from stand-up than I am from my day job. Yeah. I, that's huge. And you're so young. You're so young. So young and fertile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, being taken seriously, um, it's it's a big confidence boost, or it can be, because some people, there's there, there are people that, of course, are petrified to let go of that day job. Mm-hmm. Um, you I'm, have the advantage of being young, so you're like, ah, I can recover from this. Right. Um, and my parents are, they help me out a lot oh. still. <laughs> I still have a very big safety net. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So taking that leap when you're young is, and, you know, you've, I think it's smart that you're going to go to other cities because you learn so much by performing in, in different places. And yeah. you know, it goes back to this thing that I keep harping on is being able to be adaptable to different audiences only helps you in the long run. Yeah. So, you know, all those comics saying the terrible words, <laughs> you got to learn to be adaptable. Right. We, we can't all be, or you can't all be, I don't know, who's somebody that if, if we were to have to answer a pop quiz question of who's a comic that we think has never learned that lesson and is at the top of the game. Adam Lucky, racist. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, I mean like no, on the I national or international. Oh, the national. Like, Hasn't learned to be adaptable. <sighs> Any of those uh, YouTube headliner headliners that you would see, like they sometimes come to Vulcan or Creek where they uh, just perform in front of their own audiences, yeah. you know, and they kill in front of their own audiences, yeah. but... Yeah, but they're just going to stick to that cult audience. Yeah. I mean, good for them. They found a way to make money yeah. and have an audience, though, you yeah. know, so it's hard to hate on them. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I wanted hate. I know. No, I don't want to hate. <laughs> I just want people to kumbaya. That's that's me. I just want kumbaya. Yeah, everybody. I know. Me too. So. <laughs> me too. Sucks we're all going to hell. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> I was joking. Uh, I was joking with my son that, you know, or my boyfriend too, that 
you know, your son is, or your wait which one not, well, <laughs> are they both is, it, is, when, this, no. is this one person that's both <laughs> oh my god now i'm gonna turn red no but when they cuss i say no this is a fine christian home yeah we will not use that kind of yeah. language it's like i don't i don't go to church i mean you see a cross around here no. okay i see an upside maybe down I, one <laughs> maybe i am going to hell okay <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Lucas McCrary. Thank Lucas. you for having me. Yes, we're not done. Oh, now's when. Sorry. You, okay. Okay. Once, once more, practice being that hype man. Okay. Tell us about your shows, projects. Do you have a podcast? Everybody has a podcast. I don't have a podcast. I'm, I'm hoping it never comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a pain, Lucas. Oh, I'm sure. I will tell you. No. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, hype man. Tell us. Tell us about. Uh, you know, you can find me on Instagram, Lucas WMC. I post all about my shows. I post some funny clips sometimes. I got on uh, Netflix recently oh, on the Twenty Somethings Austin. Uh, best show on Netflix. <laughs> hottest, hottest show on Netflix. <laughs> Uh, you know, I got one of my jokes in there, so now I use it as a credit, even though I should not. <laughs> but, you know, my comedy is featured on Netflix. That's what I tell people. Uh, they don't have to look it up or anything. Uh, I tell them uh, I did an hour on Netflix. They don't have to know anything else. Um, you can come to uh, Secret Shows on Thursday. I uh, perform there uh, most uh, most weeks. Uh, I do, you know, it's the hottest show in town, uh, other than my show, uh, which is at uh, Firehouse called Main Course, best show in Austin, uh, best comics in Austin. Uh, we only book white dudes, so if you love white men uh, telling you about words they should be allowed to say, come out to main course comedy. Uh, and then also another show we're doing at Vulcan is called Hit List, and it's a secret lineup. We don't tell you anyone that's on it. Uh, but the comics have all been uh, headlining and uh, featured on 20-somethings Austin. Uh, so you <laughs> come out. <laughs> See uh uh hit list at vulcan it'll be uh the last saturday of every month so come out to that i love you very good very good well uh we hope you've enjoyed learning about how lucas got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as i have i love whatever reaction i get when i say it that's why i've been saying it for six friggin years this has been comedy wham presents lucas mccrary i'm valerie and that's been funny thank you lucas thank you and no you can't have miss purry <laughs>